So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. Jobvite's mission is to provide organizations with the tools to attract, engage, hire, and retain the talent that drives success. Yep, and their comprehensive talent acquisition suite offers a marketing-inspired approach to recruiting, combining the power of AI and the human touch. No need to delay. Learn more by visiting jobvite.com slash C-A-T-K. Jobvite, recruit with purpose, hire with confidence. We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it, check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy in the King. 100 million people right now smiling. 100 million No, Julie, it's more than 100 million people. And people out there listening like, well, Tor, why is it more than 100 million? I mean, it was only 80-something million that voted for No, it's more than 100 million people because a lot of them were afraid to say that they didn't vote for him either. It's more than 100 million people. It's millions of people that are like, I can't wait to see him get on that helicopter and roll out. I can't wait to see him. It is an incredible, incredible day. If you had me on FaceTime right now, you see me stand up. You know, I move away from the mic because I got my cup. I'm happy. I'm excited. It's like being at a game. Woohoo! Yep. That's what I'm yeah, talking right. about. What's popping, Jay? How you? Four years. Oh, dude. I am so good. Yes. So, so, so good. So happy. Got yeah. to watch um, Kam- or Kamala's uh, swearing in with my 11-year-old niece, which was pretty freaking great. Uh, got a 50-pound boulder off my chest that's been sitting there for five years. 50 pounds. 50 pounds. Well, maybe like 300 pounds. I don't know how fat he was, but you know what I'm saying. Heavier than needed to be. Heavier than, Heavier needed, than to be. needed to be. Oh, but and you know, the Surgeon General said that he was in great shape. Great shape. Great. Healthy, healthy as a horse. Like, 
or the size of a horse. Uh, well, Ooh, see, that's that's me. Sorry. And, and let me tell you, I, I have some things that would not be so kind to say about our Surgeon General and a whole lot of individuals who once again stood up. They stood up that uh, mediocrity. And I talk <laughs> about that all the time. And I know it gets audiences or some in audiences. It upsets them. It maybe even offends them when I say that. But that that complacency, that complicitness, that propping up people who are mediocre. I mean, mediocre. And this cat wasn't even mediocre. Just propping up people that are mediocre is not something that we need to be doing. You know, keep it keep it 100, as they say, keep it. uh, And for you to say that this cat was in good shape. Stop. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Lion. That that guy is from Indiana. He was the Surgeon General in Indiana. I think we've talked about this before, and he has been asked for his resignation um, as of two o'clock uh, today, I believe. So he's out of a job too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they all get they get a chance to to land on their feet and do something different, and you know, good for them. I just uh, yeah. I'm just glad that we don't necessarily uh, at large have to be impacted uh, by by their presence. And for those on the other side that were good sports that participated in the ceremonies, the transfer of power uh, and everything else that went along with the events of yesterday, we absolutely, uh, we see you, you know, we're not going to get any uh, ribbons, but we see you. We, we see that you were um, exercising good character. Uh, and, and that's something that I can appreciate. So uh, yesterday was an incredible day. It really was an incredible day. We're we're glad you found your good character on the last day. Good job, guys. Mm -hmm, Way mm -hmm, to go. mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry about you. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, and speaking of good character, speaking of good character, did now I know this is a bit of an old story, but I'm sure you've heard the phrase shopping while black. Uh Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. You you know, driving driving while black. Yes. Yeah. But see, we got a couple more of them in in the last several years. We got walking while black. We have driving while black. We have barbecuing while black sleeping while black bird watching while black. Uh, Let's say talking to Julie while black. Um, let me see. I, we got a couple of them. There's a number of them that it's almost like you get to put them in like one of those little, um, you know, when you're 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 watching the lottery on television, mm-hmm. and they're spinning the wheel around, or, or or they're waiting for the air to push the ball up, and the ball has a number on it, and then they stick they 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 stick it, and and that's exactly what it feels like. Like when you are engaged in some of these places, you are wondering what number is going to come up. What number is going to appear? And so uh, Sephora, I don't know if you heard this, but last week, Sephora actually said that they're scaling back on their security guards because they want to combat bias in their stores, particularly shopping while black. They've I, I, had several incidences. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just a few of them. Just, and, 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 you know, and the, I think the telling thing for me was that even the employees were counted as having incidents. So it wasn't just Mm -hmm. normal shoppers and patrons, even the employees. And this is what we tried to say to, to some of the folks that say, uh, and and I'll be very, very specific when we are in some of these conversations with like folk, 
you know, black folk, like I may be in conversations with black people and they may say, well, if they just complied or if they just, you know, put their hands on the steering wheel or if they just uh, uh, allowed the 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 uh, uh, cash attendant to look inside of their bag or or if they just, you know, moved aside in the park or maybe stepped back. I've been in these conversations. I absolutely have been in these conversations. And what I try to say to them is that, but you got to understand police officers that are black out of uniform are in the same propensity or run the risk of the same propensity to experience what I experience. Yeah. I call that the, yeah, but right. That, that is, that is my term for this behavior. Anytime someone says, yeah, if they had only done this or if they had only done that, it's an excuse for your bias. It's an excuse a lot of times for your racism or your ableism. And y'all need to start recognizing when you say those words, you are justifying the victimization of people based on whatever diversity group they're living in. Yeah, absolutely. I do appreciate the fact that in the uh, uh, piece that Sephora said, Uh, And it's something that you've said often, Julie, Sephora's study found that limited diversity across their marketing, uh, their merchandise and retail employees results in the exclusionary treatment before shoppers even enter the store. And it continues across their shopping or their in-store journey. And so, you know, the fact that they recognize it, you know, again, I try to find that modicum of appreciation. I try to find that silver lining in some of these stories and, uh, you know, instances that we share with our listeners. And so Sephora hats off. I appreciate that you've recognized it. I appreciate that you took the time to uh, I'll use the word commission. I don't know who you paid. You didn't pay me to do the damn study, but uh, you paid somebody. And so I'm glad that you made an investment and that you all hopefully will live up to what it is that you say is important. Certainly live up to what it is that you recognize. Yeah. So Torin, you remember uh, a few months ago when we were talking about Glassdoor and their their play of um, becoming a, a kind of a diversity measure and, and putting best practice employers, you know, up to the top and helping job seekers and helping them self-identify and all that that bullshit. Yeah. How could I forget? I mean, I, I sent you a text and said that we were going to add that to the story list. And then you sent me back like a, an emoji or a GIF or something, whatever it's called. And it had a whole bunch of like uh, characters in it. And I said, well, Julie, this doesn't have any words. You said, that's the point, um, yes. you know, because you weren't really happy about that, but continue. Yes. So as we know, Glassdoor is owned by Indeed. Mm. And I called this out as a straight Indeed um, data grab going to try to roll all that stuff into their database and and their tool, right? And what have I been seeing over the last couple of weeks? All of these, I'm just going to use the word again, bullshit diversity commercials from Indeed saying that they are the solution to help diverse populations get hired, talking about ageism, racism, gender bias, uh, all kinds of stuff. I'm sorry. See, but do so we really me, think that Indeed is our our savior to our our DNI problems? Yeah, but again, so let me ask you, and I haven't looked at this in any way, so I'm really, really, really like I'm 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 in left field, as they would say. So 
exactly what are they planning to do? Why is it that they feel like they are the solution? So they they don't, or they if they do, they should call me because they aren't. They're a giant job board that has millions of candidates, which is good because there is diversity in all of those candidates. Now they're collecting the demographic information of people through this in or this glass door play. Eventually they will get rid of Glassdoor and it will cease to exist and they'll pull Glassdoor's functionality under under Indeed, right? So that's kind of what they do. They buy stuff and then they they either bleed it to death and let it die or they take the the tech and act like it was their their very own invention. They are kind of like the monster in, in our TA world. And they don't have a solution that offers diversity. They don't have just because a woman found a job and she was of a certain age does not mean she found that employer. That employer found her because she was a certain age, right? They just happened upon each other. Yeah, but again, but you know, from a from a product product iteration standpoint, I mean, how hard is it them? How hard is it for them to put some engineers in a room and say, let's add a couple of drop down boxes to our our website? How hard is it for them to get their EB folks into a room and say, let's put some stuff on the social media calendar that's going to speak to the month of February, Black History Month here in the U.S. or LGBTQ month over in Europe? Uh, How hard is it for them to make these developments, Julie? It's you sound as if you are not optimistic that they will. Uh, make the proper investment to become the solution that they say they are. So they won't. I mean, they they've they've made the investment in Glassdoor, and now they're using Glassdoor as the screen to get more data. Right? Remember, whenever we're giving our information online, we are the product, and indeed, very much monetizes the product, which is their job seeker. And now they're going to kind of do this PR blitz that says. Oh, yeah, if you're a diverse candidate, you'll get hired on Indeed. Um, People who don't know how to pronounce your name or think you don't speak English or think you're old, they're going to hire you because you put your resume on Indeed. Mm. And and I'm just going to tell you, the first freaking TA person that says to me (laughs) that they're using Indeed as their DNI sourcing tool, I swear to God, Torn, right now in front of God, you and our audience. I, 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 okay, check this out. Check this out. So, okay, so then here's what is here's what it is. Uh, um, so I give them. Let's see. Um, we're in for all intents and purposes. We're in February. Oh, there you go. Let's by February twenty eighth. If we spend enough time on social media, or in enough um, email or chat streams. By February 28th, someone, either uh, a presenter from from a stage in a conference, by the end of the month, someone's going to suggest that Indeed do that because we're in Black History Month. Take the bet. I will absolutely take that bet. Okay. Do you change the date? You think they'll do it sooner than Mm. before the end of the month or we agree on that? Well, I want to make it a good wager. (laughs) So I will say... Be and careful. They will do it by Valentine's Day. By, by the four, oh, you know, that's my mom's birthday. 
Oh, happy birthday, yeah. Mama Ellen. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, cool. So uh, for all of you out there listening, make sure you put your, put, put, listen, help Julie and I out. Uh, it's not suggesting that you all don't have anything to do, but we enjoy being engaged with you all. And so we want you to mark the calendar. Julie thinks that by Valentine's Day, you're going to hear somewhere, social media, one of the platforms, you'll read an article, you'll perhaps be inside of an event, right, Julie? You'll be someplace and you're going to hear someone say that they're using Indeed as their diversity sourcing solution. And I say that that's going to happen by the end of the month. So we got two dates that we want you to put down, the 14th and the 28th. Do that for us. Shoot us a tweet. Like she's at Julie Sowash. I'm at Torin Ellis. Shoot us a tweet on the 14th, reminding us of what we said. Shoot us another one on the 28th, reminding us of what we said. And if you feel generous, shoot out some more, telling people to listen in in between time and in the meantime, as they say. So listen, our quote for the week. Folks who are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, for most of their lives, they were delivered messages by the law by the U.S. military, by our government, by doctors and psychologists that they were sick, that they were criminals. This was said by Mr. Michael Adams. He's the chief executive of SAGE. It's a nonprofit and advocacy group that represents older people who identify as LGBT plus. He said this in an interview over Zoom. It was a story captured in the New York Times, and he finished that quote by saying, in many cases, What that has led to is a natural kind of self-protection mechanism of hiding. We're talking about people who have spent the majority of their lives, 70, 80, and 90 people that are that old that were afraid to come out. In the article, and we'll put the link in the show notes, in the article, it profiles, I think, 12 individuals that are on the spectrum. They're on that level of identification. And they say combined, they've lost 500 years of life just because of hiding, just because of hiding. And I share this quote in light of the 1776 report. And I won't even go into what I had written down to talk about. It's not even important because Julie hit me right before we started recording. And one of the first executive orders that was signed on yesterday is that entire page has been brought down on the administrators and the current administration's website, that entire debacle of information, which was only put up and propped up to combat and go against an incredible black woman who decided she wanted to write about the 1619 project, Nicole Hannah Jones. It was only there to besmirch and to smear the work that she did. Was her work perfect? Maybe not, but it was certainly accurate in the sense of it gave us an account of what was happening before 1776. And that's not something that we want to do. So uh, I don't want people to lose years, tens and tens, I mean, years because they're afraid to come out. Let's get into this week's show. Yeah. So another kind of big week, um, you know, since we've got LGBTQ on on the mind this week, um, we have a 
nominee for Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, Dr. Rachel Levine, who is a transgender woman, um, being hopefully confirmed in that seat by the Senate. If so, she will become the first Senate-confirmed federal official who is openly transgender. Now, let me ask you, that confirmation process, Julie, does it take place before the Georgia senators are sworn in, or uh, how does that work, if, if you know the detail? Yep. So norm in, in a normal transition, most of the confirmation hearings for the cabinet will happen prior to the president taking the new president taking office. Um, given that we did not have such a peaceful transfer of power, most of those confirmations have been held up by the Senate, although they did start, I believe, Monday. And so Dr. Levine will not get there before Asif and, and Reverend Warnock are sworn in, which should um, be official as of now. Um, however, one thing that I think speaks very highly of Dr. Levine is that she has been leading Pennsylvania's response to the COVID virus, and she's been confirmed by the Republican Pennsylvania legislature three times. Yeah, And so she's got an incredible record, and I don't I don't see this one coming under the same kind of scrutiny as like a, a Nora Tandon or um, the Homeland Security sl- yeah, so, uh, you know, slot. Yeah, you know, so yet, yet again, a continuation of some of the news articles that we read on last year. We didn't really cover this a lot last year. We talked about COVID, but we didn't really talk about it from the standpoint of women all around the globe who had uh, seemingly... And I don't use seemingly in a questionable way. Uh, Maybe I use it because I didn't have a better word in that moment seven seconds ago. But women uh, across the globe who have been highlighted as doing a far better job of handling the uh, pandemic in their respective countries uh, and in some cases in their respective region. But she was one of them. And and quite frankly, Julie, I got to I didn't know the name like I had never heard of what. Uh, Rachel Levine uh, had been doing uh, in the Pennsylvania area. And the reason for my pause right now is because I'm hearing you transgender. So I want to make sure that I am in a previous way, referring to them appropriately. That was my reason for a pause. I'm always trying to be conscious of how uh, I am. I am in conversation. Yeah, I think that's a, a perfectly recognizable point and, and, and very valid. I think what is exciting other than her her demonstration of a woman in power who knows what the hell she's doing and is demonstrating that um, for the first time ever, we're going to have someone in HHS at a very senior level who understands um, LGBTQ health issues, and, and she's a pediatrician too, so those things go together so um, indelibly that our young men and women who are LGBTQ have different health needs and health problems and inequities, 
And that's really exciting. After four years of, of, you know, taking away transgender protections for um, federal employment, house services, homeless shelters, um, in the military, like just this first day one feels so good to have someone up there representing that community. I think that's an interesting um, note that you put in uh, about her being a pediatrician. And I don't know if, you know, that pediatrics practice is something that is fairly recent or in the beginning of her, um, her professional career. But I could see the other side saying, um, you know, you remember all of the uh, hoopla around the um, shared bathrooms in North Carolina? Um, yep. I don't know. Did you all experience that in Indiana? I know it was in North Carolina, but I feel like you all were going through something similar to that in Indiana. Yeah. If there's something stupid that we can do, we've, we've done it. So yeah, okay. there, there was an issue. So I know it was a really big issue. The bathroom bill uh, was a really, really big issue in like North Carolina and certainly in a couple of other states. And when we talk about her being a pediatrician, I could see right now, I could absolutely see someone taking the fact that she uh, is a pediatrician and spinning it and saying that she's going to do something in terms of educating, you know, young children. And I could just absolutely see this thing right off the rip. I could already see this being an issue. And, and when you say that she's sailed through confirmations in Pennsylvania with a Republican, um, you know, majority, that kind of makes me pause because I know how these cats get down unless they've had a change of clover over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe what they saw on January 6th was enough motivation for some of them to say, you know what, enough is enough. And let's figure out a way for us to be civil and have discourse. You know, even if we uh, disagree on this discourse, we're not coming into this uh, from the standpoint of the way that they treated President Obama in 2009. Uh, And what they said to him was on what, not to him, but what they said was on that very first night of his inauguration, they were going to do everything that they could to make him a one-term president. Not everything that we can to move our country forward, not everything that we can to help uh, change the economy, because, you know, the economy was terrible back then. Not everything that we can to put people back to work, not everything that we can to make sure that we can compete with China, not everything that we can to make sure that we are competing or addressing climate change and the threat of Russia and this and that. No, our number one initiative is to make this man, this president, this black man a one-term president. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how this unfolds and hopefully they do have a different leaf, uh, uh, clover leaf and that they are willing to be a bit civil. I went long on that, but I hope that they are willing to be a bit civil. Oh, I think that's that's all we can do right now is hope. We, we've uh, we've given the education and, and that's what we can do. So um, best of luck to Dr. Levine in her Senate confirmation and hope to see her doing really, really great things around COVID, around um, health inequities for all diverse populations and and really moving the needle forward. Yeah. So uh, let me tell you, uh, Trump is not the only one out of a job. Uh, This guy named Jared Porter is out of a job. 
Uh, and he was fired by the Mets. He was actually their new general manager. And apparently he sent more than 60 unsolicited text messages to include one nude photo to a baseball reporter back in 2016. I want to oh, just go Lord. back for just a second. Oh, 60 man. unsolicited text messages. Let me just try to call out the things that are important here. 60 unsolicited text messages. One nude photo to a baseball reporter in 2016. That would be five years ago. They wasted no time to uh, put him on whatever is after Air Force One or or Marine (laughs) One. You know, Marine One is a helicopter. They put his ass on a prop plane no, a prop subway, and was like, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's your ticket. Goodbye. So, here's my question. Did they do the right thing? Because, well, let me just give you one question at a time. Did they do the right thing? The views expressed by the host, the co-host of Crazy and the Queen are herds and herds and alone. <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, my gut goes, yeah, get him the fuck out of there. Um, I mean, I can't imagine, right? That kind of bad behavior doesn't happen once. And if you feel so privileged and entitled that you would send a 60 messages that were unresponded to, one, you probably need some counseling, boo. Two... Um, it's not the first damn time you did it. And so, you know, I know I like my brain was going, Hey, you know, we talked last week about, you know, purity tests and not, not expecting, you know, everyone to pay for mistakes that they made years ago. Um, and I don't know why they came out just now when it's been all these years, like that kind of thing. So that's like my only hesitation. However, don't send fucking dick pics to people, guys. Come on. This this is not – you're old enough to know better. This man is 41 yeah, years old. Yeah, but what he says, you know, and he had a conversation with ESPN, um, and he said that, you know, he acknowledged sending the text messages to the women – to the woman, but that initially he said he had not sent any of himself. Then he came back and said those are really like joke stock images Mm -hmm. so they're not really images of him they're of stock photos and so i guess the question becomes again (laughs) yeah you know so you know you know because again i don't you know i'm not in corporate america so i don't know how attorneys and legal teams handle uh issues like this and so you know i that was the part of the uh issue that that like did they fire him because he is irresponsible. Did they fire him because they felt like the reporter could sue the franchise? Um, why did they fire him? Because again, it was so long ago that, that and so again, it's easy for us to to comment on on it in the moment. But that's the reason why I said sixty pictures unsolicited. Um, one was nude, and it was in twenty sixteen. And so I'm trying to get into the mind of the 
the leadership in the franchise, why did they pull the trigger? Did they feel like this is a person who couldn't be redeemed through counseling? That that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, and I guess I, I guess I'm asking it, you know, for our listeners, like maybe there's somebody out there listening who could weigh in to maybe help me to understand why they might have made this decision now. I mean, he just he just came on, right? So he just got hired by the Mets in December. And this came out while he was a member of the front office for the Chicago Cubs in 2016. And so either this is they've been aware of it before and he wasn't properly vetted or somebody decided now's the time to to kind of get back at this person for doing it. Um either way, I just don't see from a from a corporate perspective, you know, there is so much going on with our major league teams in this country with racism and sexism and misogyny and sexual harassment and assault. I don't see anyone being able to take a light stance like, yeah, he acknowledged it, but it was a long time ago. Now he's he's married or he's going to counseling or any of that stuff. It just like for something that is so dependent on a fan base, you know, the Mets aren't the Yankees. They're the other New York team. Um, I, I think it's just a good PR strategy, period, to cut him loose. Yeah. Yeah, I really think – I think I think there's more, of course, that I'm not, I'm not reading in the stories that I've read. And something tells me that – you know, because I don't believe that you have an individual who can take over a franchise that was, for the most part, unemployed. Like he had to be working somewhere. Did I just hear you say yeah. Chicago? Yeah. So he was with Boston, yep. then Chicago, yep. then Arizona, and then the Mets. Yeah. See, so something, and he apologized to the reporter. So something has happened. So you, you, my opinion, because I was asking you questions, my thought is that, this was just the first blow. Yeah. There's another blow. Yep. And so next week, another story is going to come out with another individual. And it's not going to be from 2016. It's going to be recent. And so yeah. I think that they're probably the, the, the franchise is simply saying to themselves, uh, Nope, we ain't doing it. We're not doing it. You know, it's it's way too early in the year for us to take this type of L on our yeah. insurance policy. We not doing it. So we out of here. I think yeah. that's I think that's what's probably going to happen. It's a one two punch in this instance. Uh, and and it may spawn, you know, um, a, a revival of me, too, if you will, because we haven't you know, that's not something that we've said a lot in the last six months. We haven't really uttered the the me too or the times up phrase in in some time and i think y'all know one can go to work it's a lot harder to sexually harass people from your zoom i mean well (laughs) (laughs) i'm not getting ready to comment on that one i honestly honestly i don't think it's hard i think it's just yeah yeah, julie uh on that particular note (laughs) Let me just make sure that we do a quick, quick mention 
a very quick mention of an upcoming event, uh, HR versus racism. It kicks off. Uh, I want to say it's the last week of this month, but we are going to put the event out um, and share it with you all so that you can, you know, grab. I think it's actually sold out, to be quite honest, but there is still going to be a recording. Uh, and so we want you to participate with it. It's some incredible folks over in Chicago that are really trying to make some things happen, trying to elevate, you know, some conversations. And I'm going to be a part of the uh, panel. So what I can tell you is that we are absolutely going to have an honest conversation around racism, racism in the workplace and how we address some of that. So make sure you feel, you know, be on the lookout for that. Uh, Love what Nicole and the team are doing over in Chicago. Who's your name drop? Um, my name drop this week is Miss Lori Rudiman. Who now, has I wonder been... how many people out there listening don't know who Lori Rudiman is. She actually just dropped the book, Betting on You. Came out a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. I didn't even know that. But now I'm looking at her Twitter front page. I follow her on Twitter and her um her Joe Biden tweets and her let's get this inauguration over with have, have been just giving me life this week when we all needed a good laugh and a good, good place to be. So thank you, Lori, for providing me for some, some entertainment and um, echoing some of the thoughts that I don't say so loudly on my Twitter. Absolutely. And my name drop for the week is Rocky Howard. Uh, you can find Rocky on Twitter at Rocky, R-O-C-I, H-O-W-A-R-D. Again, Rocky Howard. She is the newly installed um, diversity and inclusion or inclusion and diversity officer with Smart Recruiters. And she actually put together a diversity hiring blueprint. And we're going to put the link out. We want as many of you to take the assessment as possible. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, I want to say it's less than 50 questions or maybe around 50 questions, but it's really to get a better understanding of what your organization is doing as it relates to diversity hiring. Smart Recruiters is really trying to make a difference in the space, and I appreciate what Rocky is doing. She is absolutely incredible, really, really good person. Julie, I don't know if you've uh, spoken with Rocky, but Rocky is good. We're going to have to bring her on the show. Oh, absolutely. I would love, love to do that. Yeah, um, we got to get her on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So congrats to Rocky and her new role. And I guess, you know, as we kind of think about closing this week, I, I think it's important um, to just take a moment this week to, to grieve. Uh, we've lost 400,000 Americans, many unnecessarily, because we, myself included, have been too focused on fighting and being angry. And I think that we need to take the time as a nation and individually to kind of acknowledge and, and deal with the gravity of what's happened over the past year. Um, even as we look at hopefully coming out of it in, in the next few months that um, we've got some things to change and, and we need to take that time to mourn. Yeah. I think that's an extremely good call out, you know, just to, to make sure that we, you know, we're sensitive. We, we try to have a little more fun. Julie and I are getting a, a bit better about having fun. We've always committed to making sure that we talk about diversity and inclusion, you know, equity, belonging and all of that as it relates to the workplace. We're, we're always going to do that, but we don't want you out there listening to think that we are only one dimensional because none of us are. And I think part of the importance of, of diversity work is to recognize that 
we all have layers. We're all complex. I'm reading a book now called The Uncounted. And inside of the book by Alex Coben, he talks about, uh, you know, data being manipulated in in a variety of ways and oftentimes in ways that tell the story that we want to be told. But he asks a very important question, Julie, and inside of the book, he says, who are you and how do you want to be counted? And Julie and I want to be counted as individuals who care. We care about DNI. We care about humanity. We care about you. So I'm glad that you raised awareness on the 400,000. In the words of Alan Ailey, the creative process is not controlled by a switch you can simply turn on or off. It's with you all the time. I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to find your voice. Be a better human. Let's create better culture, teams, and workplaces. For now, Jay and I are ghosts. See ya. So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom. But do you have more? Yes, I have another one from Sation who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. The path to a diverse, equitable, and inclusive workforce requires a partner who understands the journey as much as the destination. Our friends at JobBite understand both, and their unique combination of technology and services stand ready to help your organization achieve your DE&I goals. Which is why we've partnered with them. You can visit them at jobbite.com forward slash C-A-T-K. Again, that's jobbite.com forward slash C-A-T-K. To learn more about how JobVite can help you mitigate conscious and unconscious bias, create opportunities for underrepresented communities, and build strong teams with incredible talent. JobVite, recruit with purpose, hire with confidence. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.